Welcome back to Power Hour. Thank you for joining us. Caring about your world, doing the next right and honorable thing. And boy, I'll tell you, doing the next right and honorable thing is James Corbett. I don't know how we can be so fortunate to, be, to have him on our show uh, twice a month, not once, but twice a month. This man is so valuable in so many arenas. Um, CorbettReport.com, CorbettReport.com, and that's with two Ts. Uh, he does so much excellent, uh, such good, excellent journalism at his website and also at Bo- Boiling Frogs Post. And he does the uh, writes for the International Forecaster. Uh, we're just so pleased to have him join us today. Thank you so much for joining us, at James Corbett, on the Power Hour today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to this uh, this conversation. I think we've got a lot on the plate for today. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So much happening. If I were to ask you, number one, what is the biggest major issue around the world today, with all the things we've got going on, including a lost plane that's never going to be found, but that's another whole issue. We don't need to get into that. But of all the issues that are so huge, what do you think is the most important issue? It's always difficult to uh, to choose that because there's always something waiting out in left field to make uh, any such prediction seem uh, outdated by the time you make it. But I, I would say that something that's very interesting that's popped up on my radar in the past week or two has been a lot of chatter around nuclear threats, whether that be um, nuclear war type threats or nuclear terrorism type threats. And this really popped up for me, um, first of all, with uh, Obama coming out recently. He was being questioned, um, basically trying to be outflanked on his right side by some of the warmongers on the right side of the American war machine, um, saying, well, wasn't Mitt Romney right when he said back on the campaign trail that Russia is the greatest threat to America? And Obama, as of finding a way to get out of that, decided to fearmonger in a different way. And he said, no, I think the real big threat that I see is uh, a, a nuclear bomb going off in Manhattan. Because apparently that's that's something that's that's uh, a, an ongoing pressing issue, the idea of nuclear terrorism. Um, right. Of course, that was probably said in context of the nuclear security summit that was just held at The Hague. And so obviously they were discussing that issue. And I think that was a bit of promotion for what was going on there. But um, it is interesting to see that chatter coming up at this particular time, because as you were just noting in the last hour, you were talking a bit there about the North Korea situation and some live uh, firing test uh, drilling that went on, the exchange of fire between North and South Korea, always something worrying to see, um, as that type of thing can always escalate out of control. But of course, always even more worrying with uh, North Korea's constant chatter about nuking the US, which they've uh, taken to talking about in recent years, and uh, some sort of new nuclear test they're, they're threatening to do. Um, so that's that's another aspect of this, another layer of this. Uh, there was also um, there there was also a recent Russian military exercises not taking place around the Ukrainian context, but taking place um, in the nuclear context. Uh, some Russian nuclear exercises that that are taking place right now, and for the next, I, I think they're coming to a close today or tomorrow. But uh, but still, um, just an interesting timing on those nuclear um, military exercises. And on to top it all off, we had an unprecedented event take place um, just last week with nine nuclear base commanders having been suspended at, uh, in the U.S. Air Force, um, supposedly due to some sort of cheating scandal in terms of the qualification examination for uh, security clearances for people who are fi- uh, firing and, and in charge of firing U.S. nuclear weapons. Apparently, there was a cheating scandal. There were people passing on exam answers to other people, etc. And there was some sort of c- culture of corruption that they're trying to get to the bottom of. And they've taken the unprecedented step of relieving nine U.S. nuclear base commanders of their their duties, which is, uh, again, completely unprecedented. It's never happened before. Um, Very interesting to see that happening, again, right now, with all of this nuclear chatter and nuclear threats and nuclear terrorism all happening right now. And uh, it's just, to my mind, bringing up some, ringing some pretty big alarm bells. So that's, in fact, what I was writing about in the last issue of the International Forecaster. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think the real reason is, and why are these people being let go? I mean, you're letting go of the top nuclear people, which leaves us, you know, with a little bit with our, you know, kind of our skirt up in the air. Because I'm concerned. I mean, they're letting people go for, like, chewing with their mouth open now in the military. I mean, this is just unprecedented. I know. And and as unprecedented as unbelievable as that is it's even it's even more insane when you look at some of the uh, the recent history of this in fact just last year we had 17 officers um, again nuclear officers removed from duty people who were in charge of launching nuclear missiles 
um, uh, at the Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota. Um, again, because of a culture of rot and corruption, they received a marginal passing grade on a uh, on an inspection that was done, a, a, a D grade on their launch proficiency back in March of 2013. In May, 17 of the officers were re- relieved of uh, their duties, and uh, that was a huge incident. And then that, uh, we should keep in mind, of course, Minot Air Force Base is where six nuclear weapons were accidentally loaded onto a B-52 and accidentally flown to Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana <laughs> um, in 2000, August of 2007. Um, and Barksdale was a staging ground for operations in the Middle East during the height of the tensions with Iran, which is just an in- absolutely unthinkable incident that these people didn't know they were lo- uh, loading nuclear-tipped um, missiles onto this uh, the, this B-52 and flying them halfway across the, the United States. Just insane um, that, that we're expected to believe that was all done by accident. And no one noticed for 36 hours that these nukes were missing, supposedly. So um, that, that of course, raises all sorts of questions. And, and within days of that story having broken back in 2007, six of the people in, directly involved in the loading of that plane ended up dead during in different accidents. Whoa. Which, uh, again, that, there's so much more to that story that I'm sure we, uh, we only uh, have begun to scratch the surface of what really went on there but well let me let me add that we had a, a gentleman who was an expert in uh the loading uh, of uh of of weapons on aircraft and said that there is no way you can even get close to doing that with having like signature after signature mm-hmm. clearance after clearance and it has to go the, all the way up to the president that you cannot even load a nuclear weapon on board an aircraft even by mistake because of course that is a breach signature. that's a breach of treaties that the US has with other nuclear nations like of course course, Russia and the nuclear power. And if Russia were to, to see that the U.S. was moving nuclear weapons without uh, some, some sort of knowledge of this incident, I mean, that that is one of the things that would raise the nuclear awareness level of Russia and, and bring the world that much closer to the brink of nuclear warfare. So it's just, again, it is an absolutely unthinkable incident that could not have happened by accident. So there is definitely more to that. But then we had the story last, last uh, uh, November, I believe it was, that story leaked dot com broke. Um, they had a source uh, in the military confirming that there had been an, uh, a black ops secret U.S. nuclear warhead transfer from Dias Air Force Base to South Carolina. This wasn't signed off on in any official capacity, although it was authorized and overseen by the uh, the Air Force Base commander. So obviously there was a higher up approval for it. But on the same day that they released that story, you had Senator Lindsey Graham coming out and warning that because US, the U.S. wasn't attacking Syria, there was likely to be a nuclear bomb coming into Charleston Harbor and uh, exploding. I mean, just a bizarre connection that that has that that, that you can't even imagine why he would have said something like that. But literally the same day that this story broke about this secret nuclear weapons transfer to South Carolina, we have uh, Lindsey Graham warning about nuclear bombs in South Carolina. Um, Again, just a a bizarre incident. And three weeks after that incident, we had the number two person in charge of the U.S. nuclear warfighting capability, um, a Navy admiral by the the name of Tim Jardina. He was actually... Uh, suspended for gambling issues um, that uh, and uh, at the time that that story broke we found out that actually that actually stemmed from three weeks earlier it had been made in secret that decision had been made in secret three three weeks earlier i.e the exact time that this story broke about the uh, secret nuclear weapons transfer Mm -hmm. three weeks after that there came out another uh, thing to say he had been actually relieved of command so again a very, very high-ranking, the number two officer in charge of U.S. nuclear warfighting capability, relieved of command. And at the time, they said it was something to do with him trying to use uh, fake uh, gambling chips at a casino or something, something of that nature. Oh, yeah. Oh, can you believe that? It it just gets (laughs) crazier and crazier. But why choose something so ridiculous? I mean, is it because the bigger the lie, the more people will believe it? But I mean, that is just so ridiculous. I mean, anybody who's been in the military knows how much people skate by with. Uh, And then not to mention the nuclear code that was set at zero, 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 uh, because that would fool everybody. Right. <laughs> the same yes. as my luggage. Yeah. <laughs> right. In everybody's briefcase. <laughs> I know. Of uh-huh. course, the U.S., I believe the uh, the U.S. Uh, military came out to deny that story after it had been said, but I, 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 
I don't know. I mean, again, it's just one of those things that it wouldn't actually surprise me if it were true. Um, but again, um, as so much of this is swirling around right now, and it just brings to my mind all of the various vectors for a nuclear false flag. So I don't know. Again, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But I think that either, I mean, this could be signs of, of something in the offing in, in terms of some sort of false flag event involving nuclear weapons, or it could be the other the other um, way that this, this type of rhetoric is always used, which is to ramp up the fear. Um, because again, the entire the entire war on terror, the entire homeland security state, the national security complex, all of this is maintained on the constant need to crank up the fear. And they always have to be pushing that and pumping that into the system of the U.S. uh, governmental uh, operating procedures. They always have to keep the people in a state of constant fear. So I think that there is some extent to which there is a lot of fear mongering that goes on about this in order to keep the public clamoring for that national security. Um, So I don't know which it is, but either way, there, there has been a significant uptick in chatter about nuclear, nuclear uh, threats in recent days. James, can I ask you, uh, we were talking about the Lindsey Graham speech saying that, you know, there could be potentially the nuclear uh, attack in, in, in South Carolina. I had heard a rumor that uh, following that event that there were potentially some detonations that took place off the coast in the ocean. Do you hear anything about that or can you speak about that at all? Well, let's hold that for the break. Let's hold that for the break. We will find out from our incredible James Corbett after this four minute break. Were there any detonations? Does he know of any? We'll be back. Four minutes. Stay tuned to the Power Hour. This is Joyce. J.D. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Power Hour, ladies and gentlemen. It is 24 minutes past the hour, no matter where you are on planet Earth. My name is JD. With me as always, beautiful Joyce Riley. We are speaking today with James Corbett. And James, before the break, I had asked you, well, we were talking about the threat of uh, nuclear attack against all the, uh, amongst all this chatter that seems to be coming out. And uh, you had mentioned that Lindsey Graham had uh, put out a pretty prophetic warning about South Carolina. And I had mentioned that after that South Carolina event, there was chatter about some uh, underwater detonations. I wanted your opinion on that real quick. Right. I was just going to say, to be honest, that report that you're talking about, uh, sources from a website that uh, I I don't use this term ever to describe anything, but I'll, I do use it in this case. That that website that that, sor- that report sources from is a disinformation website that literally has never published a true story that I have ever seen, and it's published a lot of sensational-looking stories. Um, so okay. that one, as far as I know, complete fantasy, and uh, it, awesome. I, I don't think it would even be possible, feasible to do that in a way that would not, A, that would not be detectable by any every other nuclear nation state on earth but also i mean even by uh, the general public i don't give any credence whatsoever to that report i think i know which website you're talking about and i agree wholeheartedly and let's not give them uh, the uh, the attention that they don't deserve absolutely absolutely <laughs> so uh with respect to Diego Garcia, with respect to the plane with respect to all these other things before we move on um considering that you know, I, I, by the way, I, I loved your Jim uh, Freestone or Jim Stone freelance journalist uh, interview with you regarding uh, the possible problems that we might be having uh, with plutonium. I don't know. You want to go into that? The secret weapons program you're talking about? I, I don't know if that was me that you're talking about. I haven't done it. James. <laughs> Really? Well, it says, I'm quoting James Corbett here. Uh, I guess another James Corbett, but James Corbett was fooled into making the following claims that the U.S. gave Japan 70 tons of weapons-grade plutonium for a secret weapons program. Oh, right. No, okay, yes. You're, you're referring to an interview that I did um, with um, the man whose name is going to escape me because you put me on the spot and I haven't interviewed him for a while. Um, Jim Stone? No, no. He, he was goes the one that Jim was critiquing Stone? that uh, interview that I okay, did. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Um uh, if you give me a minute, I can I can find it. Oh, that's okay. That's I, I okay. It's not that individual. That's not that significant. But I mean, I appreciate when you you know review these articles and give us the feedback and and tell us whether or not it's good information or not. I really really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Diego Garcia situation with Philip Wood being uh, a passenger on the plane is that something that you're concerned about or are you put any credence in yet? I'm interested in it. I'm certainly interested in it. Again, the EXIF data is certainly compelling, but it's not 
spoof proof. So, I mean, it's not it's not 100% proof of what's happening. And it could be disinformation that's been thrown um, out by, again, it would have to be by some sort of high uh, level intelligence agency or something, mm-hmm. you know, some, some pretty massive organization. So it wouldn't be low level stuff, I think. But um, I'm certainly open to the possibility. And I think it's an interesting lead. Um, we'll have to see what and if uh, anything eventuates from this. And I think that it could even be one of those events where what what the, the main purpose of the event could be more in the reaction to the event. So that, for example, as I think you noted last hour, um, China is now announcing that they're going to be launching um, 50 or so new global spy satellites um, because the U.S. obviously can't keep track of planes. So we need more spy satellites <laughs> in, the, in the skies. Um, so it might just be one of those types of events that's used for a cover um, to basically justify more more crackdowns on personal liberty. Surprise, surprise. And of course, my favorite issue, Richard Quest with CNN. People, I'm sure, are sick of hearing about that, but I cannot get over the idea The Richard Quest, who last month was a travel expert and this month is now an aviation expert, um, <laughs> who is, who is um, the man who interviewed the co-pilot of this downed plane or alleged downed plane, interviewed the co-pilot between one week and one month before this event happened. And yet they're not releasing the photo footage. And they did have a picture of Richard Quest with the co-pilot and CNN out of, we had an, we had a, by the way, we had a statistician. Look at those figures. Ken, who is one of our listeners, evaluated how many 777s there are with how many pilots and co-pilots there are. And the chance is one in 24 million that they could have picked the right pilot uh, for this interview. That to me is a huge issue uh, that CNN had interviewed that co-pilot because he was going from a narrow body to a wide body jet like the pilots don't do that every single day, and that was their excuse for why they interviewed him. It boggles the mind that that uh, would take place purely by accident. And again, I don't know what to make of that, um, because I don't believe Richard Quest would have been personally involved in whatever operational details might have been involved in whatever happened to this flight. But then again, you never know. And certainly CNN has been a uh, place where we know that there have been implanted PSYOPs officers from the U.S. military and others in the past. So you really don't know about something like that. But it does certainly, um, well, it, it strains credulity to imagine that was all by accident. (laughs) Strange credulity. I like that. We'll be back after this three-minute break. Let's talk about Ukraine and the IMF. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with James Corbett. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Welcome back to Power Hour. Thank you so very much for wanting to reach outside the proverbial cage and ask questions, regardless of the risk. And uh, by the way, I thought this was kind of cute. Uh, uh, Ted Cruz said this March 8th of this year, we are still a nation of laws. You just have to check with Barack Obama every day to see what they are. And is that not true? Anyway, remember, we have got specials at the Power Mall. And the way you keep us on the air is purchasing from the Power Mall. Nuana Food. If you have not gotten your storage, storable food, consider Numana Food at PowerPrepper.com. PowerPrepper.com. It is non-GMO. No MSG. By the way, I was at a restaurant the other day. I did not ask them. I always do this. Do you have any food that has MSG in it? I always ask. I was so excited. I was with Lauren, and I didn't ask. And, oh, my goodness, by the time I got home, it was hitting me, all the um, the uh, tingling and on the uh, starting of the uh, reaction. So I had to quick take Benadryl, which that does not uh, – make you stay up very long after taking Benadryl, and it's such a shame. But I will tell you, um, MSG is bad. It's a neurotoxin. It is horrible, absolutely horrible. And um, Numana Food is excellent because they make sure there is no MSG in their food. You can call us at 877-817-9829. We have on special this week, Shentrition and MSM Powder, Shentrition, MSM Powder, Sherry Rogers Special, the books, Cod Liver Oil, E-Gems, Phosphatidylcholine, The Daily Detox, available at the Power Mall. Give us a call. And if you have unlimited minutes, 573-378-6049, 573 573- 
1-800-378-6049. We're talking to the James Corbett today. CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. You can also uh, see it at the International Forecaster, his work at theinternationalforecaster.com. All right, the problems with the world. Okay, we got Ukraine is a problem, North and South Korea are problems. I mean, it's a lot. we've got a lot of problems, but of course, on television, all we're hearing about, though, is the plane. Now, what worries me is what's going on in the rest of the world. Your thoughts, James? Well, I agree with you. Anytime we're being asked to concentrate so single-mindedly on something of seemingly little significance, and and who knows, there, we don't know how this story will play out or could play out in the future, and I'm sure there is more to it than we're being told, but at any rate, it does make me wonder about what else is going on, and I certainly have to take a look at what's happening in Ukraine, which again is not exactly an issue that's under the surface. It's also been talked about quite a bit recently, but I think more, perhaps more justifiably so, and uh, and and I don't ever want to turn to Rothschild Reuters as a source of um, stone-cold facts and hard information, but they do have an interesting post up right now, 10 Ways the Ukraine Crisis May Change the World. And although I think that that might be a bit overblown, it certainly does give a, at least a flavor of the way that this is changing the tone of international relations at the moment and creating some very um, some, some very important rifts that are going to un- undoubtedly change the, the functioning of, of ge- geopolitics and economics in the near future, with, of course, the, uh, the, ex- the uh, expulsion of Russia from the G8 being perhaps the most dramatic so far. But I think for the Ukrainian people... I are mean, you what- being sarcastic or do you mean that? I, I really do believe that that's that's a very important uh, thing that's just uh, that's just occurred. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, uh, to a certain extent, I agree that with people who think that this is all smoke and mirrors, and that the, there is collaboration that goes on at the very top of the pyramid. But at any rate, we are seeing the, the I think the self conscious formation of battle lines being drawn right now. And to whatever extent the, there are people slapping backs and uh, trading golden handshakes behind the scenes, at any rate, this is the theater that we are going to be steeped in for the uh, the coming years, I think, and increasingly so. I really do think we are seeing sort of the uh, the revelation of what's been being slotted into place for years now with the, the slow encirclement of Russia and China. I think we're really going to see like a, a light switch being flipped on. We're going to see this this narrative being presented to the public more and more. And uh, and that's that relates back to that... Uh, that video of Putin that you guys were talking about earlier where he's questioned about uh, NATO trying to say, well, don't worry, our, our missile defense system that we're putting right on your doorstep is really aimed at Iran. And uh, Putin laughs in the reporter's face, which really, I mean, that sort of statement does deserve to be laughed at because it is so transparently false. So, I, I mean, again, I think that this is an important thing that's taking place. Again, to whatever extent this is all manipulated behind the scenes, at any rate, we as the regular folk will have to live with the consequences of, of this theater that's being played out unless we can find a way to avert it. But but on the economic side of things, what's happening in, with Ukraine right now is just staggeringly um, atrocious for the Ukrainian people. And perhaps there there's a bit of buyer's remorse for for the people who were genuinely fooled into supporting this uh, revolution, this this uh, this coup, really, um, uh, because there there were people who were obviously uh, genuinely behind this and genuinely did uh, have their grievances with Yanukovych. But what's coming in right now looks um, just as uh, monstrous, if not even more monstrous. And of course, what is coming in right now is the uh, the Western-backed Kuled government that is now welcoming in the IMF and their austerity measures. And we've just seen the the inking of a deal, a $27 billion aid package that's going to include 14 to $18 billion from the IMF with all of their austerity strings attached. Of course, number one on the list being the ending of the uh, gas subsidies for citizens that the Ukrainian government had been providing to its citizens, which was accounting for 7.5% of GDP. That's going to be completely um, overturned on May 1st. So literally overnight, gas prices are set to rocket by at least 50%, which is going to be a pretty crushing bit of austerity for a lot of Ukrainians who are already suffering from a very abysmal economy, one that's been limping along for for the last several years. Um, This is going to make life even that much more difficult for the average Ukrainian. And there's not really any 
positive bright spot here for for the Ukrainian people. Um, Their currency is devaluing right now, which should theoretically increase their exports. But but export to where? They have just lost one of their their natural and biggest trading partners, Russia, um, which accounts for 25% of the country's exports. Obviously, they're going to be a much more difficult uh, place to sell to in the near future. So um, they're they're really starting to come under the, the, the gun of this austerity. And what makes it even more amazing, head-scratching, um, just infuriating, is that the IMF in recent months has completely changed their tune on austerity. The austerity measures they were they were saying would be so great for the Greek people and, and would turn the country around, they've now started to admit that, in fact, you know what? Austerity actually increases inequality, income inequality. It, it actually makes it even worse for the average person. I guess we were wrong about that all along. And uh, back in February, just last month, they were, all, they were cautioning Australian um, lawmakers against instituting austerity. So now they're coming into the, the Ukraine and saying, well, you know, austerity for you, not for the Australians, but austerity for you. I'm sure it'll work out in your case. The hypocrisy is just off the charts. And this has to be related back to the the likes of the, the economic hitman, John Perkins, and people who have revealed what, what this is really all about and what the IMF and the World Bank and that entire globalist uh, banking syndicate is all about, which is about stripping countries bare, selling them off to the highest bidder, and uh, letting the people basically starve to death. And unfortunately, that's the process Ukraine is going through right now. Hmm. How sad that is. Also, uh, we had a medical student, fifth-year medical student, on the ground in Ukraine as a guest um, last week, and we asked him the question, what is it like there? Are you, you know, are the Russians coming? Are the Russians coming? And he said, no, there's no, to his knowledge, any buildup of the Russian army at all, at least at that time last week. He said people were going about their business normally in Ukraine, weren't even really thinking about that. He said that's not even on their their radar screen. So I thought that was interesting. Doesn't surprise me in the least. Other interesting news is now um, Lavrov and some of the Russian officials are coming out and saying quite openly that they have information that the uh, the sniper attacks that that really led to the uh, the chaos in Ukraine were um, conducted by the right sector, the, the neo-Nazi linked groups that took over in the Ukraine coup. So um, very interesting on that front, uh, and I'd, it'd be very interesting if they do present some of that evidence. Of course, we did have that leaked conversation that came out recently, um, basically confirming that the ballistics and the uh, the medical evidence showed that the, uh, the the snipers were firing both on the protesters and the police, which is an interesting tactic and one that is clearly meant to destabilize the situation and cause the maximum chaos. And I've even heard reports, I haven't looked into them myself, so I can't verify them, but reports that there is also similar ballistic evidence coming out of Venezuela, where again, snipers are causing havoc in the uh, protests that are taking place there. This is becoming a, a, a sort of standard operating procedure in all of these countries that have been targeted for government overthrow. And uh, perhaps the uh, the recent, um, the example in recent history we could turn to is what happened in Syria, because that was also what happened in the early stages of the Syrian, quote unquote, protests that were taking place there that uh, got out of hand when snipers started showing up and shooting everyone on sight. And uh, it, again, it was, I mean, every indication is it was the snipers shooting both sides, just trying to start um, basically war and chaos. So mm-hmm. we see the same thing happening again and again, and it looks like that's exactly what took place in Ukraine. Hmm. Uh, James, I want to change gears and just go a little bit macro on everything. Uh, you just mentioned the IMF kind of changing positions on austerity. Uh, I sent you a link to that article that came out in The Guardian last week, uh, but I want to read you really quickly. The title is just, The Truth is Out, Money is an IOU, and the Banks are Rolling in It. And this article does a really interesting thing in that it it really kind of throws the gauntlet down and says, you know, we're, we're faking our way through this entire money scheme. And then to see the 60 Minutes uh, news piece last night about the uh, incredible high-speed trading going on on Wall Street, it seems to me, and this is just my opinion, that they're really letting the guards down uh, to a point where they're really kind of given way too much truth about what's going on economically. So I'm wondering why, if what the motivation is for letting letting this information get out now in the way that they are, in your opinion. Well, I hadn't seen that uh, Guardian article in particular, but I had heard the story about this Bank of England uh, paper and the money creation process being sort of uh, the cat let out of the bag. I mm-hmm. have to question that to a certain extent because this is not something that's necessarily been hidden. Um, it's certainly not well publicized, but it, um, I, I have documents from the Federal Reserve even going back to the 1970s um, basically right. kind of 
not children's documents, but almost cartoonish type documents, like trying to explain to the general public how money creation works, um, using the similar type of language and talking about how commercial banks create most of the money in the economy, which is, again, not something we ever learn in school, but something that uh, that has been quite quietly admitted. So I don't think it's mm-hmm. it's quite a, 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 a sea change. Uh, the fact that it got picked up on widely reported is, is promising because it shows that people are thinking more and more about the question of where money comes from. And that's exceptionally important. In fact, I would say that's probably the most important um, issue facing humanity because that yes. underlies everything, absolutely everything. Um, the economy and everything else that comes with it is all um, basically relies on the idea of monetary creation and how that happens. So that to the extent that this is becoming public knowledge that basically banks create the vast majority of the money supply in the U- U.S. It's upwards of 90 percent um, through through loaning it, uh, out money that they don't have. Creating money by creating loans um, is an exceptionally important thing. But uh, this has been covered in a lot of uh, really good documentaries. And I would suggest one from my own fellow countryman, um, Paul Grignon, uh, Money as Debt. And Money is Debt 2 and Money is Debt 3, which are all available widely online and ex- excellent uh, documentaries about Yeah, the we have them at the Power Hour also. Excellent. Money is Debt is available at the Power Hour also. Yeah. And and you know what? The, if you went to the average person coming out of Home Depot and talked to them about this, they would have no idea what you're talking about. It's very true. And I, I don't blame people per se for that. I think that we have been um, basically very carefully uh, steered away from this topic. And for my m- money... <laughs> to use an expression. It, the, the most interesting part about this is that when you look back at the history of politics, especially in the United States, the, the, the center, the beating heart of the political process for a long time was the monetary issue. Everyone was involved in it. Everyone cared about it. When they were talking about bimetallism and gold standard and silver and what, sh- what should we back the, the currency with and should, should private banks issue their own private currency? Should we have a central bank? For hundreds of years, this was something that, that, that the American people were thinking about and and actively engaged in. And then 1913 comes along, they institute the Federal Reserve Act, and that is completely cut out of the societal conversation. It completely disappears from the radar to the extent that you can live through the Great Depression, the 1930s, the the most incredible economic catastrophe and calamity that the United States and, and perhaps the world had ever seen to that point, and no one even really mentions the, uh, the, the, the the fundamental underlying point that the Federal Reserve was brought in precisely to stop those types of events from taking place. And yet, lo and behold, 20 years later, um, that's exactly what happened. So, um, so again, it's remarkable the way this has been completely kept from the public. And that's why I'm actually, at this moment, creating a Federal Reserve documentary that is on the way and will be released shortly. <laughs> so once we once that is released, hopefully we can talk a little bit more about that. On on the and issue of the, uh, the, the, the high-frequency trading that was revealed on on 60 Minutes. I haven't seen the 60 Minutes segment itself, but I have read about it. Um, And uh, from what I understand, what's revealed is, again, nothing nothing groundbreaking. A lot of this has been sort of filtering around and flying around for a while. I I wrote an international forecaster article on it last September, talking about the robots that rule the markets, and uh, just lifting the veil on some of the dirty little secrets of the high-frequency traders. It's just basically a fact that not a lot of people know, but it is an openly admitted fact that most of the trading that we see on the markets today are not done by humans. They are done by algorithms, i.e. computer programs that are designed to come in and sell when there's even a fraction of a cent of, of trading advantage. They'll they'll go in in a, literally a nanosecond and sell and buy and uh, and and do so to the advantage of the people who can afford the most sophisticated algorithms. And we've seen mm-hmm. this backfire a couple of times. For example, most famous, famously in the meltdown of, uh, I believe it was uh, Knight Capital, um, where we saw the, the just the, the complete meltdown of an algorithm that was released uh, to the onto the markets basically before it was ready to be released. And uh, within 45 minutes, 40% of the value of Knight Capital had been uh, drained from the markets. That's $440 million because basically this algorithm kept going in and buying at a high price and selling at a low price and kept doing it over and over and over and (laughs) over and over, literally thousands of times a second. And uh, by the time they got a handle on what was going on, it had already drained $440 million out of the company. Just a, a staggering little uh, fact and, and something that should concern everyone, the fact uh, that the markets are being propped up by this type of act- activity. And of course, it all comes down to basically who, whoever can afford the servers that are that are in the special co-location um, uh, centers 
that costs $14,000 a month and you get co-located right there in the New York Stock Exchange's own facility in New Jersey and, and you, you have the server literally right next to the, uh, the Stock Exchange server and you get that information a fraction of a sliver of a millisecond before everyone else in the world and from that advantage you can um, basically front run the markets it's not technically front running so it's it is legal but uh, but basically that's what it is and that's why and that's and that's basically how there there has been such a complete takeover of the markets in recent years to the fact where you can't really believe anything so so again none of this is particularly new but the fact that it is coming out on 60 minutes again is important so i think you're right there is there is more economic truth coming out now because i think mm-hmm. that the lid cannot be kept on this information um at this point in the game um certain Certainly when we have access to this information on the internet and are making it widely available uh, in order to maintain even a shred of credibility, uh, the, the big dinosaur corporate media at least has to tip their hat to it every now and then. And I think that's the process that we're starting to see right now. I want to open up the phone lines. If you would like to ask a question of James Corbett, get in now at 855 995 6923 855-995-6923 be sure and visit corbettreport.com amazing good excellent information documentary we'll be right back after this three minute break welcome back to power hour thank you for joining us it is 54 minutes after the hour the next hour we're going to have open lines then we're going to let you talk about what you want to talk about this hour it's james corbett and I tell you, James, I appreciate you so very much. You get on this program here. It's 10 o'clock at night where you are in Japan, and you get all hopped up and excited and everything. And I know what that's like to have to go to sleep after that. So, you know, that's not easy. And I thank you very much for joining us uh, and helping us to understand what's happening around the world. I am um, very concerned that there is something beneath the surface taking place now because of this 24-7 coverage of a plane, a foreign plane that is missing. Uh, I am very concerned that something else is taking place. You know, one of the things I've been saying is this has been propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. It's not a tragedy. It's it's not a tragedy. This is propaganda, and every question they ask is as if they want you to remember this. So they're wanting us to remember this aircraft for a reason. Do you agree with that? I, yeah, I couldn't dispute what you're saying there. And it again, it does make me wonder if this is something that they're trying to embed in our conscience because they want it to come back in an interesting way. And obviously that's been mm-hmm. speculated about. And there's been the, the, the sightings of a very similarly marked plane in, in Tel Aviv. So could they be planning some sort of false flag attack using something marked up to look like MH370? But then again, why would they then say that MH370 is lost at sea and leave it at that? Unless maybe it's been exposed, so they can't go with that plan anymore. So they've gone with the it's lost at sea um, uh, argument. Again, there's so many layers of speculation here. One of the things that's interesting to me about this is that now CNN has really become the conspiracy theorists par, par excellence in all of yes. this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yes. one segment that caught my eye that was particularly Particularly ludicrous was the anchor suggesting could it have been a black hole <laughs> that yes, opened up yes. and sucked up the airplane? I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling um, how ridiculous the coverage has gotten. So I, I well, don't you know, know, let me just say. I resented that. I resented that because we usually get credit for that. You know, the Power Hour or Genesis gets credit for those kinds of questions. I resented them taking our material. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, uh, again, it, it it really is a bizarre moment. And and it, uh, at this point, I mean, I know the last time I was on the program, I said it's a fascinating story, and I was interested to hear about it. I am at the point where I'm I'm ready to move on. If it's going to be a, a, a game piece that they're going to bring back onto the chessboard at some point, then then perhaps that's the way it is but honestly at this point it really does feel like there has been so much attention on this that that there really must be um other things afoot that um uh, uh, yes again i i'm open to the possibility that this is something that will come back but until it does i think i think i'm done speculating on it you know in this last three weeks 24 7 they could have taught the whole united states quantum physics by now (laughs) i mean they could have used this for something valuable they could have taught us about black holes and why they couldn't swallow up an airplane (laughs) right uh, it, it does have a certain other shoe is going to drop 
kind of feel to it, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like they're really propagating that we're waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of mentality right now. It yes. sure does. And they set the yeah. stage one question at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know if you all have any questions that you'd like to ask of James Corbett. The phone number is 855-995-6923 if you have a question or comment for James. James, I want to switch gears again. What's going on at Fukushima? We're, we've been paying attention to an airplane for three weeks, and uh, as far as I know, everything's fine at Fukushima. They've rebuilt the plant, and they're making power again. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. Um, but yes, no. Um, oddly enough, no, that's not the case. Well, there there have been some um, stories coming out, for example, about uh, fuel removal at uh, Reactor 4. For those who don't know, the uh, the spent fuel pool, of course, uh, it, at Reactor 4 was populated at the time of the disaster. And that has been an ongoing big question mark on the Fukushima site. If the uh, containment of that uh, reactor building were to, to, to be lost because of another earthquake, etc., then that fuel that's sitting there in that spent fuel pool, which ridiculously enough is sitting there right over the reactor, would be released into the atmosphere. That was, the removal of that fuel was actually stopped momentarily because of a crane failure or something of that sort, but it is back on the uh, ongoing. So, um, again, lots of those types of stories coming out at the moment. Okay, we got a one minute, 10 second break. We'll be back with final segment with our guest today, James Corbett. Stay tuned to the Power Hour Corbett Report. That's Welcome back to Power Hour. Thank you for joining us. Caring about your world. We're going to take your phone calls in the next hour, but those of you who have questions today for James Corbett, 855-995-6923. we got a little problem with gold right now, James. We know it's being manipulated, and uh, to me that smacks of illegal, but I guess not. That's just the way they do business or doing business as. Uh, what's happening to the commodities market? Well, with gold in particular, yes, it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, week or two and uh, not, not an interesting in a good way for people who are holding gold and looking to get out of it anytime soon, I guess. But uh, but yes, there's been a precipitous drop and this is being basically uh, put chalked up at the moment to a lot of technical factors that uh, that show uh, basically bearish momentum and uh, that's likely to actually continue um, so that we might see a, a drop even below current levels. We're, we're maintaining just under 1300 around the 1292 yeah. mark right now, but uh, but that could go even lower. Again, I uh, I think you're right. I mean, it, it, it's just the, the, the question of to what extent is this manipulation? To what extent is this market lull? Um, but I can tell you from my own perspective here, of course, the, the world is bigger than what's happening in the US markets. And in Japan, there's been a gold buying frenzy over the past few weeks as um, actually just in about one hour as it changes over to April 1st here in Japan. Hey, hey April Fools. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, the, there's a tax increase that's going to t- kick in. Um, for these. The consumption tax is going to go from 5% to 8%. So people have been front-loading on a lot of purchases of big-ticket items. In fact, my family, we just went out to buy a new bicycle today for, uh, for my wife and uh, my son. And uh, we uh, in Japan have been not only buying that, but uh, apparently buying gold. So there's been a gold buying frenzy here in Japan. Yeah. Of course, that that is just par for the course here in East Asia with China, of course, having uh, continuing its its gold buying frenzy, India. So again, it's it's the the disconnect that's happening right now between the, yes. uh, the paper you- price and what what people are buying in the physical market. And, and you know what? They tell everybody, don't waste your money on gold, basically, on Fox Business News. Don't waste your money on gold. But countries are sucking it up as fast as they yeah. can. Let's go to John in Missouri. John in Missouri, we got a bunch of callers here. You're on the air. Go ahead, please, with James Corbett. I was glad everybody's talking about the manipulation of the market. I watched Bob for 321 Gold admit one day that the easiest way to make money was to short silver when he got a phone call. Now, my question is going to be, if they are ever, I want to say, I don't want to use the word arrested or found that they've been manipulated the market, any idea how far that'll go as to who can get, I mean, the corporations and the companies that are shorting and manipulating the market, any idea of the extent that that would happen? 
Well, I mean, there's a, a few different ways we could take that. We could tie that into the, the banker suicides that have been happening recently. And, and perhaps did, did, are there people who know what's going on in the inside? Um, although I'm not sure that's my, my take on it particularly. But certainly we could see something like that. People who, who have the goods on the information might suddenly end up dying in uh, suspicious numbers. But in, in fact, to go to the heart of your question, we actually have had a major investigation in the last few months into the fixing of the gold price that has revealed some of uh, some of the, the shenanigans that are going on, specifically in what's called the London Gold Fix. And yes, it, it's actually called that. It's an official thing that, uh, that the UK Financial Conduct Authority is now investigating the London Gold Fix, which, which does set uh, gold prices uh, every day there in London between banks like Barclays, Deutsche Bank, HSBC, Society General. They, they've been caught literally manipulating this uh, between themselves. And uh, this is part of an ongoing big investigation. And uh, some people are uh, under investigation some people have been suspended, etc. But um, that's actually happened. But you haven't heard much, if anything, about it in most of the media. If you're looking at the specifically the financial media, you've probably heard about it. But it's interesting that's not being pl- plastered all over the place, even though it is starting to come out out in the open and through these investigations. Yes. Let's go to quickly to uh, J- Robert in Canada. Thank you, John. Robert in Canada, quickly, your question for our guest. Okay, I'm just, uh, what I wanted to do was summarize some of the things that have been diverted away from by the plane. But if James could speak to the F uh, uh, EU by Newland and her $5 billion on destabilizing Ukraine, all that was taken out of the news by that. Um, okay, but could, other- uh, James, could you stay like three more minutes with us? Do you mind? Yeah, no problem. Okay, thank you so much. And we'll address uh, Robert's uh, question after this three minute break. Stay tuned to the Power Hour. We'll be back. And rip. Welcome back to Power Hour. James Corbett is our guest today. JamesCorbett.com, CorbettReport.com. Please go to his website. Check out his excellent information. Uh, we've got uh, Robert in Canada. Say your your um, question real quickly for James, uh, please, again. Would you? Okay, well, the plane is a diversion from so many things, uh, what's happening in Syria, Venezuela, and so on, but also the comments by Newland that they'd spent $5 billion destabilizing the Ukraine that and she her F the EU famous comment and uh, there are so many issues that uh, were were basically not being covered at all. Of course, they ordinarily wouldn't be, but at mm-hmm. least there was this massively effective diversion of basically the whole planet. It seems. Okay, well, uh, you are right again. That? that that is a very important qu- uh, conversation for people who don't know. The Assistant Secretary of State was caught on the phone with the U.S. Ambassador of Ukraine in a leaked conversation, talking about how they wanted to f the EU, i.e., um, basically they wanted certain people like Yatsenyuk into the new Ukrainian coup government and people like Klitschko out in the periphery. And lo and behold, here we are a couple of months later, and that's exactly what happened. You have Yatsenyuk as the acting interim prime minister. So what that conversation shows is that the U.S. was in intimately involved at, in the planning of who would be leading this coup government before the coup had even been completed. So, again, it is a smoking gun of a certain sort, and uh, you're right, it did receive basically zero attention in the uh, the mainstream media. But I share your skepticism that even if there were not an MH370 to take people's uh, uh, mind off of it, that that would have been reported. And uh, something else that, that touches on this uh, very similarly, in fact, just in the last couple of days, we saw an amazing release of a, a conversation of that's been taped between some high-ranking Turkish officials who are talking about starting a war with Syria by attacking Turkish targets along the Syrian border. Again, this is Turkish officials talking about uh, targeting their own targets in order to start a war. And uh, if people go to Twitter, if they're on Twitter, you can go to my uh, Twitter feed, twitter.com slash Corbett Report, where I have an infographic posted up that compares on one side what the Turkish officials were actually saying, saying things like they will make up a cause of war um, by ordering a missile attack on Turkey. They will portray the attack as Al-Qaeda. It's seen as an opportunity for us. Uh, What we're going to do is a direct cause of war. These are direct quotes from this leaked conversation. It's being reported in BBC News as the discussion of possible military operations in Syria, or the LA Times is calling it the possible military intervention in Syria, or the Washington Post. uh, They're talking about even using ground troops against a jihadist group rooted in Syria. No one is talking about the 
incredible smoking gun that they are literally planning an attack on themselves and they want to portray it as an attack by Al-Qaeda. So again, even in the best of times, even without the distraction, I don't think the mainstream media could be reported on to talk about these things. But the other part that this brings up, the other incredible thing about all of this, is that think of all of these leaked conversations that are coming out all of a sudden between Newland and, and the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, the Estonian foreign minister conversation talking about the sniper attacks in Kiev, this Turkish official meeting that uh, that's that suddenly leaked. I, I think what this is what's really happening is that uh, there are a lot of intelligence agencies around the world that are doing similar things to the NSA. I'm sure the NSA has the upper hand in all of this, but at any rate, there are a lot of intelligence agencies working out there, and I think some of them are removing the kid gloves right now and starting to show what is possible. So we are entering in a very interesting era where some of the secrets might not be able to be kept quite as easily as they were in the past, and perhaps that's a good thing. Um, but again, a lot of disinformation could be mixed into this, so we'll have to wait to see what what eventuates there. But uh, unfortunately, you're right; uh, these comments by Newland didn't get much press at all. Hmm. Uh, in the Turkish conversation, there were references to uh, no-fly zone and Kerry's uh, intrusions into it, and and in some of these uh, transcripts of that conversation, these were deleted. You're exactly right about that. In fact, I am going to be doing an interview on CorbettReport.com specifically about that tomorrow and a video that I hope will encapsulate that information. So stay tuned to CorbettReport.com for that as it develops. But I'm going to be talking about that specifically. Great. Thanks. Thank you very much. And real quickly, Carol in Washington, final caller for our guest, James Corbett. Carol, go ahead, please. Oh, I got two of them. Um, I was disappointed that you wouldn't give us the uh, disinformation website, but we can avoid it, too. Um, I'll sneak it in. Okay. And the second Pay attention. question Pay was, attention. How, how come we never hear silver mentioned? And what about confiscation? Okay, I don't know what, what to address on that specifically. I think you're right. Silver has uh, a potentially even greater upside than gold in just in terms of the, uh, the once the manipulation is removed, I think that there is a greater room for, for silver to uh, to be leveraged because it is at a low gold to silver ratio, historically speaking. Um, and I think it's a great investment because it is uh, certainly easier to use a, a bit of gold to buy some, some small amount of goods than it is to use a, a grain of uh, gold, uh, sorry, a bit of silver instead of a grain of gold or whatever it is. Um, so I, I certainly do think that silver is an important investment. Um, and uh, the other part of that question? Uh, uh, confiscation. Confiscation. Again, I think you're right. Uh, at, at any point at which uh, the precious metals market really does start to um, decouple from this phony uh, rigged market that they've they've created around it, I think there will be government attempts to crack down on it exactly as we've seen in the past. And in fact, exactly as we've seen with Bitcoin over the past week, it's not something that we've mentioned in this conversation yet, but Bitcoin is now mm-hmm. being classed as a type of property that will be subject to the, uh, the, the usual capital ge- loss or gains tax and uh, <laughs> literally every time someone even buys like a cup of coffee with a, with a bit of Bitcoin, they will have to go and calculate how much the Bitcoin was worth when they first acquired it in US dollars and then how much it was worth when they sold it, uh, i.e. bought the coffee and file a 1099 to account for it. So uh, oh. definitely they're trying to, to clamp down on Bitcoin. We've seen that in the mm-hmm. past. We could see that with gold and silver in the future. So it's something to, to think about and something that we have to, to definitely be prepared for. Thank you so much, Carol, for the phone call of the question. And thank you very, very much to James Corbett today uh, for being on the Power Hour, staying over. I do appreciate that. And uh, thank you. And everybody go to CorbettReport.com and check out his information. Thank you, James. And you have a blessed evening. You too. Thank you very much. All righty. Bye-bye.